We all come into beer from different backgrounds, with different perspectives, with different goals. And when Jess and John McGill returned from several years spent living in Australia back in the early 2000s, they collectively knew that the world of beer was for them. In doing so, they'd eventually go on to start Powder Keg, a team of freedom-loving beer obsessives carving out their own path with curiosity, creativity and defiance. As they say, this is free-thinking beer. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. So just what is free-thinking beer? For Devon-based powder keg, they say they strive to look beyond the established ideas and opinions to revolutionise a style and to create something fresh, interesting, but always outstanding. In Cut Loose, they've reimagined a classic German-style pilsner by pepping it up with New Zealand hops. Additions, they explain, move past traditional techniques to elevate a beer beyond expectations. And taking influences from craft beer across the globe, they are on a mission to create flavour-packed, easy-drinking session beers that excite craft aficionados and casual drinkers alike. They describe themselves as a small, dedicated team who have spent years honing their skills, giving them the expert brewing knowledge to break the rules with a bit of style, making the beers that really satisfy their curiosity, creativity and thirst. But before the team started their journey making award-winning beers, they were on a journey of a different kind on the other side of the world. We were officially incorporated the business name in on the 5th of November 2014 because we thought that was a great date for a powder keg brewery to come into existence on fireworks night. But we didn't actually start trading until June 2015. So that's um, you know the kind of the birth of the business. So John was already a brewer. We were living in Australia together. And, and then when we moved back to the UK, he didn't want to do his previous job anymore, which was being a, an, a market research executive and suits and offices and presentations. And he'd had enough of that. So, um, and he did a microbiology degree. So he thought, oh, I'm either going to make cheese or I'm going to make beer. And he decided on beer. So he got a job working for Cheddar Ales, um, where they taught him brewing in return for uh, him sorting out various other parts of business, redesigns and databases and things like that. So he was there for a number of years, then moved down to Devon for a job at Exeter Brewery. And um, when he sort of had enough of that, it was right we want to do something because obviously a lot of that was quite traditional ale and we'd both been drinking you know the sort of what felt like the early days of craft beer in this country and kind of thought wow this is really exciting and this is something we want to do so yeah we kind of went all in um john quit his job spent a year writing a business plan raising some finance whilst we were sort of juggling two toddlers and me doing self-employed work. So it was quite a crazy time. Sold our house, put that money in, you know, it was literally, you know, kind of like you see the poker games where people put all their chips in the middle of the table and say, I'm all in. It was, it was, it felt like that really, but we were really sure that it was the right thing at the right time. So uh, yeah, we decided to go for it. 
and in starting out, they recognised the importance in creating accessible, flavoursome styles that wouldn't alienate the consumer. I think our mission was always to be a bit of a, a kind of gateway to craft beer. We love, you know, it's, it's really fun to go and drink these sort of crazy, really strong, really hoppy, interesting beers. But we're much more into kind of beers that you like so much you want a second or third pint, you know, those kind of slightly more session friendly things. But it's all about balance. So balance was like a really key thing. And because of that, although we are, you know, craft beer, we're not we're not super out there and it makes it very accessible. So before we started the brewery, we were excited in the early days of Brewdog by, you know, what they were doing. and Brooklyn Lager and things like that, where it's it's it was pre all this kind of haze uh, trend, and we'd seen what people do at a bar with sort of bottle conditioned beer. So it was all about beer that goes into a keg or can exactly as your customer's going to be drinking it, and there's no kind of none of that room for it to kind of go go wrong. We just wanted to deliver people this really really great cold fizzy tasty beer and that meant acknowledging the beers that many of their local audience might be familiar drinking devon was still just like a sea of brown you know sort of real ale and you know don't get me wrong there's people love that and it goes down very well but it wasn't what we were feeling and so it was important that we were pushing the boundaries, but that we were not pushing them too hard at that point. There's loads of other craft breweries that sprung up in the years since we've been going, which is amazing to see. And so there's a much bigger variety of different styles of craft beer now. But yeah, because we were those sort of like that that first one, it was that how do you how do you straddle it and, and introduce people to this in a way that that makes sense to them and also that fits with the Devon lifestyle you know it's not um I think you know if you're in Canal Street in Manchester or whatever you you've got that option to kind of push those really strong styles and so on and you've got a lot more people who are versed in all of that whereas Endeavour felt like we were we were starting from scratch, and yeah, with something like Cut Loose, you're right. It's it, 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 we've always tried to do that like nod to the classics of European brewing. So we you know respect those techniques, but we like to put our own twist on it. So I don't know for us just replicating, aping something that they might do in Belgium or Germany is. Well, it's fine, but it it's more, feels more fun to kind of go right. How can we just give this a bit of a, a bit of a twist with a different hop or a different yeast or something that will make it just? It, it's like a cover version, a great cover version of a record or something. It's like of a song. You think, why do it exactly the same? Why not put your own stamp on it? Powder cake came out of the blocks, brewing on a twenty-barrel kit, equipment that they knew they could grow into. And in 2022, a new significant investment has arrived in the form of a canning line setup supplied by Vigo, a Devon-based specialist in drinks equipment. The kit, an ABE CraftCan 35 with auto depalletizer, twin Z-rinse, inline labelling and inkjet date coder, 
can fill both 330 and 440ml cans at a rate of up to 35 per minute. We applied for the grant to cover most of it from East Devon Council and we got awarded that at the end of last year. So as soon as we came back in January, it was a case of we've got to rearrange the entire brewery to um, make the space for this. And so we built ourselves a new office upstairs and the old office turned into the warm room and the old warm room got knocked down and all the tanks moved around. And so it's it's been six months of absolute sort of chaos and hard work. And then the canning line came in. It was due to come in at the beginning of April, but got delayed due to there's some there's apparently a real issue with container shipping from America and people are gazumping each other at the docks and all this kind of stuff anyway. But it gave us a bit more time to prepare. So um, and then it came in at the beginning of, of May. So, uh, yeah, we're just trying to find our feet with that now. As Jess explains, the team are taking their time with the new setup as they ramp up production using it. We've only done a couple of runs so far because our plan this year is just to do it when we need to do it for ourselves. And we are a contract brewer for Big Drop, so we're going to be canning for them as well, um, the first one of those next week. So we're planning to actually just do what we were already doing off-site, in, on-site instead. Um, and then next year, roll it out to do contract canning once we've got salsa accreditation. So it just means that actually it's a very low pressure way of going into it. And because we had a grant fund for most of it, that's allowed us that breathing space. I think if you you put your capital investment into it, you would have been absolutely kind of under pressure to make it pay right away, have you know all that equipment sitting there. But because we've got the funding for it, it's allowing it to do it, us to do it in a very organic way. While the machine will offer a raft of benefits that you get from in-house packaging, the contract offering to other breweries was equally as an important factor in the investment. We couldn't find anybody locally who was doing what we wanted in the way we wanted. So to be, we know that there's obviously going to be a demand for that. And it's nice to be able to offer that locally because I think more and more people are trying to use local businesses and services where they can. And for us previously, we were shipping our beer up to, first of all, it was Staffordshire and then Yorkshire to, to get canned. And it, it, you know, it just seems crazy to have to do that. And uh, we're very happy to kind of be reducing our carbon in that way. So there must be other businesses that want to do that as well. And in offering those contract services, Jess sees the brewery being able to work with more of the Devon community that it is so proud of being a part of. Everything we do about the business, it's like obviously you're in business to to, to make a living and, and to, to, to make a bit of money, but profit isn't always our first consideration. Otherwise, you'd end up sort of cutting corners or I don't know. It, we sort of felt like we haven't kind of put ourselves on the line to do something average or inadequate. We want it to be the best it can be. And that in, includes just how we conduct ourselves, how we do business. We've always been very open and friendly, like a, a number of people who wanted to start a brewery have come to John and picked his brains. We've always been encouraging everybody else to set up breweries in Devon because we don't see it as competition. We see it as improving the landscape for all of us. The more breweries there are, the more people are trying stuff, the more they're getting into it, the more they're aware that this is a thing that we do really well in Devon. But you, you know, it, it, it just, it feels like 
you're part of a, a healthy, thriving scene that way. So when it comes to running a business, we want it to be the best it can be. Um, there are always limitations to that, you know, much as we'd love to say, get a heat exchanger or CO2 capture or some sustainable things like that. You know, it just isn't viable at our size, but we do do the things we can to treat our employees well, treat our customers well, um, cut down on plastic and uh, emissions and all of those things, really. We, we do them not as a kind of, oh, because, you know, it's a tick box now that you should do this in business, but because that's that's the direction of travel for us it's it's making it's always improving so we're always tweaking the beers the recipes we're always tweaking our processes always just tiny little improvements here and there because we always think that that is what you do you just slowly keep pushing in the in in the direction you want to go in Playing their own part in the Devon community, providing patrons with locally made beer remains a point of satisfaction for Jess, John and the team. It's really central to our business. It's like really good customer service. So again, this is something we feel that as a small business, this is one of your single most crucial tools to kind of stand out against bigger or, you know, the, the global kind of corporations is that we can give really good customer service. We used to call ourselves the, the fourth emergency service because people will sort of phone us up on a Friday morning and go, ah, I've run out of here, can you get me something? And, you know, we'll always do our best to take care of our customers. And it really shows because our um, retention rate for customers is, is really good. I mean, we're always, again, working to improve and see what else we can do to support our customers and, and you know, make, make their job easier. And when they enjoy those beers, they can also appreciate the striking branding that adorns them too. We did a big rebrand, but we were already using Jem to do some design on our cans, but we wanted to give him a bit more free reign. I used to work with Jem at a record label in London called Finger Lickin in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, he was one of the owners of the label and did all the record sleeves and artwork. And he's just got the most insane imagination so when we did this redesign for each beer we had a canvas and we would give him a list of both words about the kind of the beer style the hops um, but also the meaning behind the name all of our beers have got a meaning behind them for example speakeasy people think that that is oh it's some reference to prohibition or whatever but it's actually not it's actually about how great it is to kind of sit with a friend over a pint and put the world to rights or you know have a picnic with a gang of mates and have a laugh or sing or express yourself and somehow he then translates all these ideas we have into these illustrations and for example we've we've got our core range which is 330s and then every year we do a range of 440 mil cans um, and that has one design in different colorways and that one design has got different elements that relate to the different beers that year in them so in it's kind of a, a bit of a challenge to people to to see if they can see what what's what for example there's a sort of a plane slash butterfly dropping flowers out that's that's ripple effect that's kind of acts of kindness there's a, a monster truck, which is for PK, IPA, bigger is 
better. And it's just all these wonderful little things in there that um, we just kind of wanted to give some people something interesting to, to look at while they're drinking the beer. Jess, John and the team at Powder Keg are understandably looking forward to canning more of those very beers on their brand new canning line. And for Jess, she's hoping that they can just continue getting on with business after a rollercoaster few years. It's just kind of finding a new rhythm because obviously the last couple of years have been all over the shop. We had a new uh, assistant brewer join at the end of last year. We've got the canning line now. It's just, it's actually just finding a really good rhythm because even the run up to kind of the end of May, everything was still not quite where we expected it to be. And then now it's kind of gone off like a rocket. So yeah, I think for probably most breweries would be saying the same is actually, we just kind of want normal. <laughs> we want to know what normal is. The Brewer's Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by the award-winning Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks today to Jess McGill at Powder Keg Brewery. Brewer's Journal.